This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. In today's podcast, a roundtable with three female sports reporters, three of the best at what they do. Rhiannon Walker is a staff writer who covers the Washington football team for The Athletic. Jane McManus is the director of the Marist Center for Sports Communication, a Deadspin sports columnist and the co-host of Ladies Room with Julie DeCaro. And Britt Giroli is a national MLB writer for The Athletic and an MLB Network contributor. In this podcast, we discuss ESPN's Jared Porter story and beyond that, the sexual harassment of female sports reporters and what it is like to be a woman on a beat. Uh, I cannot appreciate the honesty of these three women. Um, I, can't, I can't sort of appreciate them coming on and being as honest as they were enough. So Rhiannon Walker, Jane McManus, Britt Giroli, all coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right. As I said at the top, um, I'm really, uh, I'm really appreciative of these three women for coming on the podcast today. Uh, all, you know, immensely respected in the field. I work with two of them. I gave the introduction at the top, but I'll do it again here. Rhiannon Walker is a staff writer, covers the Washington football team for the athletic. Jane McManus is the director of the Marist Center for Sports Communication, a Deadspin sports columnist, and the co-host of the Ladies' Room podcast with Julie DeCaro. And Britt Giroli is a national MLB writer for The Athletic and an MLB network contributor, and I welcome them all to the Sports Media Podcast. Rhiannon, I want to start with you. Um, what was your immediate reaction when you saw the ESPN story on Jared Porter? I was sick to my stomach. I um, If you've never had an unsolicited dick pic sent to you, you really don't get how jarring it is. It's not, it's not really funny. It's not funny at all. It's, it's really sickening that somebody thinks that they can just send you that kind of a thing without your permission, without any desire to see it, having no interest in you. It's frustrating, um, especially because there are a lot of guys who just think it's funny. They think it's hilarious to do that kind of a thing. And meanwhile, I'm unsuspectingly opening this thing that I did not ask for. Um, and I have to sit there and deal with it. I mean, you think it's a joke, but I sit there feeling violated by the fact that you don't see the issue with what you're doing. I see an issue. I saw, I was bothered by the 
the amount of text messages that were being sent as well too. I um, have talked about this on my Instagram, how there are people that just sit in my DMs. I have never responded to them. They just sit in my DMs saying stuff. I think most women, if not all women who have a cell phone, Instagram, social media of some sort, any sort of form of communication have dealt with some man just lambasting them, bombarding them with all kinds of stuff. And you're just sitting there like, Jesus Christ, go away. Like, especially when you do not return the affection, especially when it's very clear that you do not want to talk to them. And they just run with that. You can literally, I give you a prime example. After everything that happened to me this summer, I had several people reach out to me on Instagram and other forms of social media. Generally speaking, I don't accept Instagram requests because I just don't trust people that much. But because of the subject matter, because of the messages being sent, you know, along the lines of support and stuff like that, I said, you know, thank you or something along those lines, just saying I appreciate people for reading the story, et cetera, et cetera, because I did appreciate people who took the time to read my story. Um, and some of those people have carried that into either trying to flirt with me or sending me dozens of messages and things of that nature. And it feels like a, a real violation all over again. It's like, you literally started this message thread by coming to me to talk about how bad you felt about me being sexually harassed at my job, but now you're harassing me. How does that work? So it is, there are a lot of bad feelings reading that story dug up because it's just one of those feelings that I wouldn't wish on anybody. I don't wish anybody to get attention that they don't want to get. And what's even more frustrating is when people don't want to take it. People are like, well, why don't you say something? Why don't you do this, that, and a third? You literally have no idea, one, how most men are going to react. There are too many stories of women telling a guy I'm not interested and them going to physical abuse, to harassment, to stalking them. I've dealt with quite a few of those, not physical harassment, but like stalking and things of that nature. So there's that. There's also the power dynamic as well, too. One of the things that Porter had in his advantage is just his position and the fact that this is a foreign correspondent. She has a lot less power than most women do, um, just simply because of that dynamic alone. So there's the power dynamic that I didn't appreciate. And again, like having gone through that myself and like knowing you have to sit there and coddle somebody else's feelings simply because of what they do. And the fact that if you perceive that you're raising too much hell, which really you're not, that they can blow up your career, even though you're not the one that did anything. So just reading through that story was, it was taxing. It was a labor to get through the story. And I like reading long stories. I like investigative dives, but I have to tell you that it's just one of those things where it stirs up a lot of bad feelings, a lot of bad emotions, just because it feels so reminiscent of so many things that have happened. There are so many things that are currently happening and people to this day just don't get it. They really don't. They are willfully ignorant and or they're intellectually dishonest about how it really feels or they cannot possibly put themselves in a woman's shoes to understand that this is just not okay. That's, I mean, that's how I felt reading the ESPN report. Jane? Um, just really appreciate, Rihanna, what you had to say right there, because obviously um, a lot of those same feelings. I, I was also taken back to 2010 when I was covering the Jets, and Jen Sturger was uh, the Jets game day host. Um, and, you know, she she came in and she was hired. She was not a reporter per se. So I kind of had this, feeling like, well, you know, she's different because she's not, she's not doing what I do. So that's different. Um, but I really shouldn't have felt like that. I, you know, I look back on it now and I, it, it really is disappointing to me that things don't change. Jen Sturger had never met Brett Favre when he sent her his dick pics, like never sat in front of him, never exchanged words with him, never flirted with him, nothing. She got them completely unsolicited. It is a power thing that guys think they can do that men who work for teams, whatever. And it's disappointing to me that it's still that way. And the other thing is Jen, who has, who I, who I now speak to um, and I'm friendly with and have, and spoke to since this happened, you know, she never got a fair shake. She wanted to be 
a sports broadcaster and she has a lot of talent and it's very difficult for women to kind of figure out if they don't come from a traditional journalism background. Obviously she was a beautiful young woman and was noticed for that. And there's this tension between being able to take advantage of the reasons that you're noticed and also be taken seriously for what you want to do and what your ambitions are. And Jen never got that second thing because the first thing was what mattered or what people saw in her. Britt, um, you, um, you wrote a piece for The Athletic. Uh, the title of it uh, is Be Nice for Female Reporters. It can feel like there is no other choice. Um, and so you took ESPN's Jared Porter story and personalized it. And I think, um, I don't think, obviously, the, the story stuck a, struck a chord because so many women in the business have experienced what you have. So I wonder in answering just your immediate reaction on the Jared Porter story, um, why you, why it compelled you to, to write what you ultimately wrote? Um, so like Jane and Rhiannon, and I thought about my experiences, but I also thought about, I got on the Orioles beat in 2010. And before I got on the beat, uh, Amber Theo Harris, who, uh, was previously at NFL Network's been in the business forever, was their sideline reporter. And I remember her saying to me, thank God you missed Aubrey Huff because that guy would literally make a game out of showing his penis to her. She'd be in the clubhouse and he would he would call her name, wait till she looked and drop his towel. Um, I am grateful that we are in an age now where you have the proof, right? You have it on your phone. You're going to send me that photo. Well, I'm going to save it and I'm going to tell someone about it. And I think when I heard this, I thought about all the women who had no proof, all the Aubrey Huffs, all the women who um, Kelly Thiesers, another one left the business. She works at LPGA now used to tell me about guys who would, you know, love to drop their towels and found some kind of sick power game in showing, exposing themselves to her. And what do you do then when there is no screenshots? I thought, thank God this woman has evidence because I don't have evidence of what happened to me in that hotel room. All I have is my word versus theirs. I don't have evidence of accepting a ride home from a well-known broadcaster and him grabbing me and trying to kiss me. All I have is my word versus his. And I think that that hopefully is getting better where we don't need piles of evidence. We don't need 60 text messages to go unanswered for people to take it seriously. Um, for me, I was just tired. I, I saw that and I kind of snapped. I had already been open about this on Jeff Perlman's podcast. Um, I decided if I was going to tell this, I might as well tell all of, all of it, tell the subtle stuff, you know, being in a, a hotel and someone asking my room number, uh, being accused of flirting with players, which I'm sure Rhiannon and Jane have, have dealt with that as well. It's the subtle stuff as well as it's the, the more obvious harassment that, that needs to change. Rhiannon, I want to go back to you. Um, can, can you give, and I'll, I want, uh, obviously Jane and Britt to answer this too, but can, can you give the people listening just a sense of like how pervasive this is in the business in terms of, um, in terms of people in power positions, um, uh, either, uh, misrepresent, you know, people in power positions, either, uh, flirting with you, people in power positions, um, trying to use those power positions in ways that they would not do that with your male counterparts? There are so many ways I could count. And what's sad is that I haven't even been in the business as long as Jane and Britt. I think combined, they still easily double up the amount of experience that I have, either for like internship 
you know, time to like full time, but it's, oh my God, go to prime 47 at the NFL combine and just watch it's uh, Jane is laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Just, just go to the NFL combine and watch. It's like a zoo. I mean, you'll see a little bit of everything going on there, whether you see somebody with their hand around the waitress, whether you see somebody with the waitress sitting in their lap, whether you see somebody slipping their number to somebody, whether you see somebody trying to like buy a girl, multiple drinks, whether you see somebody when they pass through prime 47, like they put their hands somewhere they don't need to put their hands. Like they can literally go by all of our male colleagues without touching them inappropriately, but somehow, some way, like you have to put your hands on me makes no sense. I'm literally watching as you got by my male colleague and did nothing with him. But then with me, it's always something. Um, it's other things like walking up when I'm just standing there and they're like, oh, why are you being so serious? What are you talking about? And it's like, I don't even know you. I'm sitting here minding my business, reading the room and here you come with your bullshit. Um, it's somebody walking up to me and I know Jane and Britt probably speak to this as well too, but you know when somebody does not have good intentions and they come up to you. There's just some weird feeling that you get. It's some instinct, some gut feeling that you just know that they're not on the right time. I've met people who are the nicest people and I've had no, like that, that red, that red flag just did not go off with them. And there was no issue there. There are others who I just kind of look at them and I'm like, there's something about you that I just don't like. And one thing about me is like, it's so obvious. Um, the same guy I was telling you, like he, he randomly FaceTimed me yesterday. He texted me. He's like, Oh my bad. I didn't mean to do that. First of all, with the iPhone, it's almost impossible to accidentally FaceTime somebody. You have not FaceTimed me since May when we had one conversation about a player interview and there's no reason for you to accidentally FaceTime me. You have to go through so many hoops to get to my ID to even do that. So it's just kind of like, I'm calling bullshit and I block your number. Um, this same person has been camping in my DMs for whatever reason, I cannot tell you literally like the extent of the interaction is liking a message simply because I was trying not to be rude. And that's another thing that we do all the time. We're so worried about not being rude to somebody, not being mean to somebody or whatever the case may be. And this particular situation, he helped me with one player that quite frankly, without him, I would have gotten his information all the same. And I regret even accepting his help because I'm sitting here like, you could have done this on your own without any of the headache. But he has literally been a thorn in my side since last February. Um, and so it's just at the point where it's like, all right, you're getting blocked. I don't have time for this. Um, it's sitting up, watching the coach of the team that you cover, and anybody who's on the Washington football team beat hit already knows the story because they are all there. It's watching the coach of the football team that you cover until about 3 a.m. in the morning with somebody who is not his wife. And let me tell you, I don't care if you want to cheat on your significant other. I don't care if you want to entertain other people. That's none of my business. What's unfortunate is that you know you're the head coach of this team. And you know that we're media and you're doing this right in front of us. And I actually kind of have to care at some level on that part. Personally, I don't care what you all do. I don't know what arrangement you all have, but literally it's, it's bold. It's very brazen. It's people saying things to you. I mean, there was a situation where I was at the, um, the Titan stadium two years ago, my first year on the beat. And it wasn't someone, it wasn't even somebody in power It's the people doing security. And they said, you know, you can't come in unless you give me a smile. What have you lost your mind? Little, and it was three of them consecutively. So I said something to the um, to the Titans PR and they did handle the situation. But it's like, it's not even always people of power. I guess they thought they had power because they were the security. But I'm sitting here like, I will literally get you fired for this. Do not play with me. I'm going to get in the stadium whether I smile for you or not. But what makes you think it's okay to say that to me? Um, I don't want to take up all the space for Jane and Britt. But that you see like, it's not just always the people that you think. It's It's lots of other people. It's just men in general feel like there's some dynamic that they have there where they can exercise that they force their will on you. They force their interest on you and you have to suck it up to a certain extent because there's some reason you just, I don't know, not lash out, but you can't fully let them know what you're doing is wrong. You're making me uncomfortable. And I really am upset about what you're doing. However, I have to somewhat consider your feelings because of whatever the X, Y, and Z reason is. Well, the X, Y, and Z reason is you want to preserve access. 
you have you have sort they're your sources like they're they're how you do this job and unfortunately when you're a woman in this business you're never a journalist first you're always a woman first and that's the problem and what what really the problem for this is 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 that this is why it took Kim Eng 10 years to get a job this is why Becky Hammond is an assistant because women are considered women before they're considered professionals, whatever their level of expertise is. So they have to negotiate not only what they need, the skills they need to have to do the job, but then they have to negotiate all of these other dynamics, these gender dynamics that are imposed upon them and put in their way as a barrier to the goal they're trying to achieve. And when they get there, it's great and we can have a party, but the problem is that these things are still in our way. Yeah, and and people say like, oh, why don't you come forward? and you guys touched on this a little bit, but why don't you come forward and tell what happened to you? Because that's all you're known for. Look at, look at Jen Sturger. Look at, I mean, you Google my name right now. And the first thing that comes up is WFAN saying that, you know, Zach Britton talked about my harassment on Twitter. That's a, the first couple stories that come up is Brittany Giroli harassment. Um, I've worked for this. I've worked in baseball, in major league baseball for 12 years. Who wants to be that person? Same thing with this journalist who left the business. I understand why she didn't want to say anything. Who wants to be known for that? Because as you two know, no matter what it seems like, to some extent, people are always going to be like, well, she had it coming. Well, she kind of did this. Well, she likes the attention. And there's just that underbelly of of all of this. And it it makes people really hesitant. Richard, Richard, do you mind mind if I jump into Bruce's point? That is probably one of the most deflating things is when you go through a situation like that. You live it once it comes back up for whatever the reason may be, or like it's very public to start with. But what she said about it's one of the first things you're known about. I have to admit, I really didn't think about that element of writing or talking somewhat on the record with all the stuff that happened this summer. Until somebody says something to me recently, and like they just, they Google me and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, I just read your story. And I'm like, I hardly know this person. And that's one of the first things that they know about me. There's something that I really want to apply for right now. And that's something that actually scared the hell out of me is that they might look me up. And that's actually one of the first things you'll see is what happened to me being harassed at work. Um, Or you'll see the stuff about me being called the N-word or like any other litany of different things. And it's like, that's not the first thing I want people to know about me. There's so much more to me than what somebody else decided to do to me, what somebody decided to call me or any of those other things like that. But it's, you have no idea how bad it hurts to have that be the first impression on some people. Even if they have a good reaction, it's like, I really didn't. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted at all. Um, it sucks. It sucks. Even if there's a good outcome overall for other people to benefit from it, that's not, it hurts. It's like, is there some way that we could do this without it always being, like, without me always being tethered to this event or this this situation happening to me, basically? It's, again, it's not something you wish on anybody to have that be the first thing somebody sees about you when you haven't even really talked to them. They don't really know you. I, you know, I, I understand that. And I have to say, I have so much respect for you two for com- talking about your stories openly. I don't know that if a woman kind of from my generation and, and I've been in the business 25 years now had done this this early in their career that they would still have a job. I don't think that they would have had the backing of their organization in the same way. And it's not that they would have said, oh, you you talked about this, you get fired. No, it'd be like, well, we probably should take you off the beat because there's a problem with that. Or, you know, subtly your editor might start to wonder, well, maybe this is a her thing, not so much 
a dynamic in the locker room or a dynamic on a team thing. But you guys, by talking out and speaking out about this, have let it have really kind of shine a light on it. And I think it's really important. I think it's really important that you were able to talk about this and not lose your jobs and to be able to continue to do your job well and to, you know, have be able to, you know, get the respect of people and have people kind of say, yes, that's happened to me as well. And I didn't talk out about it. And I just, I just think, so I understand it sucks that it has to come on you and that personally, this is a damaging thing for you. And I don't know how to fix that, but I'm really grateful that you wrote what you did. Jane, I want to just stick with you for a second. Uh, and that's well said. And I, th- I think um, I-, I think we all appreciate uh, the courage that the, that uh, Britt and Rhiannon and, and others um, have shown. Um, I, again, as a male in the business, uh, it's, I can't even relate to it because it's just it, it just has never happened to me in any form like this. Jane, you've been in the business um, – uh, longer than Brit and Rhiannon. So you can sort of provide, I think, a little bit of a historical perspective. Um, this stuff was obviously going on when you were on the beat, whether it would be the Jets or covering tennis and other places as you did. Um, do you think it's as pervasive now as it was then? Well, I haven't, I haven't been in a locker room in probably, well, maybe, two, maybe a year and a half, two years. And part of that's COVID. And part of that is because I'm not on the beat anymore. But, you know, I remember, uh, I certainly, one of the first baseball games that I covered, and we're talking late 90s. I, I mean, I do remember that I was standing in the locker room, you know, kind of waiting for access to a really well-known player. And I can remember hearing, and it was one of my first experiences, and I can remember hearing the players tell come really close to me and tell progressively dirtier and dirtier jokes, seeing if I would leave or if it would, you know, if I'd feel ashamed or whatever. I mean, I guess they probably didn't understand, you know, I obviously I don't care, you know, and I didn't care then, but I do remember feeling very singled out and that was a problem. And, you know, of course I've had like, you know, like everyone else, I'm always like, hi, could I get your email address? If I need to, if I have a question on this story, what's the best way to reach you so that I can ask the question about this, you know, for the story that I'm writing. So making it very clear that I'm asking for contact information for professional reasons and not personal. Um, But I can remember once a player came up to me and said, hey, um, you know, how can I reach you? What's your number? And I was like, I was thinking, oh, this is interesting. Should I feel weird about this? Because I do ask players for their number. And so I said, and then so I said, sure, yeah, I'll let you know how to reach me. And then he said, we should go out on a date. And I said, uh, you know, I'm married. And I kind of looked at my ring and he was like, you know, that's great because so am I. <laughs> you know, so like stuff like that. And it was just like, well, this is one number I'm not going to get, you know. So, but that sort of thing that happens all the time. And, and you know, that you just kind of deflect. And then there's, and, but then there's a more subtle thing, which is this kind of like um, personal contact for access, quid pro quo, which I think comes up. And that's where things get really hairy. Um, and then because you obviously want the access and, you know, like I had, I have male colleagues who've talked about, you know, going to a strip club with a, with a player or with a, you know, somebody who works for a team and, you know, that's just access I'll never have, but they certainly get good stuff for stories from that. And, you know, so you have to find different ways, more creative ways of trying to um, gain access to a player to get information that you need or to, you know, to, to different team, you know, people in a team setting. Uh, and I, and I do, it is, it is, I feel it, like it's really destructive because certainly within the context of the NFL, we've known for years 
about some of this stuff. And, you know, the, you know, Jen Sturger was treated terribly by the NFL and that investigation was a sham. And, um, and if you complain about it too much, then they'll say, well, women shouldn't be in the locker room. So, you know, you're constantly trying to quote unquote, be nice and figure out how to negotiate this dynamic so that you can be really good at your job um, without kind of betraying any of your principles. Britt, um, I, I, I want to read you something. Uh, I wrote a piece in 2015 for Sports Illustrated, and then I reexamined the piece in 2017. And it was about um, women in the business and facing and dealing with sexual harassment um, and navigating all this landscape as you guys are talking about today. And this, this always struck me. And I'm just going to read it to you because I, I feel like sort of it's like exactly what you and Rhiannon and Jane are talking about. I've been invited to hotel rooms while on the road more times than I can count, said one East Coast-based female sports reporter who has worked for newspapers and website. One agent was fixated on me giving him, a, giving him a number of how many penises I had seen in locker rooms through the years and how they compared. I eventually stopped calling him, which meant that sometimes I was unable to get information I needed. I also recall trying to build a relationship with a team executive who I was pretty sure was a source for other reporters. We were supposed to meet for a drink during a big work event, but he kept changing the subject away from work to my personal life and whether or not I was dating anyone. When he put his hand on my back, that was my cue to leave. I stopped trying to communicate with him, which was, which was a professional disadvantage since he was most likely helping my competitors. And the reason I sort of read that uh, quote Brit is because like what really never gets talked about is the competitive disadvantages that come from these interactions as that, um, as that female sports reporter told me that interaction, uh, or those interactions, one with that agent and one with that team executive, um, who were absolutely out of line ultimately hurt her ability to report because they could no longer be sources. And I guarantee all three of you have had to deal with that. Yeah. And people say who don't know, it's a great point. Um, oh, just ignore them or go to someone else. Well, here's how it works in baseball. They don't need you. They don't have to help you. No one has to give you information. I don't think people realize this isn't a case where a coworker is harassing me. This is someone who doesn't need me at all, but I need very much. So there is no other option. You have to laugh it off or ignore it or find a way for them to still like you. And Jane mentioned this as well. Like you have to, everyone has to like you. That's the constant thing. And so many people have reached out to me and said, thank you for, for writing about how not only is this inappropriate, but it's, it's negatively affecting your job. I mean, you can't build sources. It's such a slippery slope. You'll, I get so many text messages from younger reporters saying, Hey, what do I do with this DM? Should I meet up with this guy? Um, you know, and you have to kind of navigate that. And as Reese said, you go with your gut a little bit, but to me, the worst part of it is the fact that knowing with some of these sources you are behind, you are not going to be able to do your job. And how, how is that fair? I mean, how do we get to a point where this isn't an issue? I, I don't know. Rihanna, um, I don't say this like sort of flippantly, but like this shit just must be so exhausting to have to like deal with all this and navigate that when you already have the pressure of getting the story or of filing on time or of keeping your job or of performing to the best of your ability. That's such an understatement. <laughs> like I've literally spent the last two weeks just trying to recover from 
all of what's been going on in 2020. I mean, I've talked to Brett about it, Jay, and I think I mentioned to you that right after the season, I was going to be like a little bit more or less on a hiatus. And I pretty much have been, I mean, save Brett really for coming on Twitter for you. It's like, I've pretty much been like very off of social media, very out of stuff, just because I, it's one thing to be good. I will tell you, I've said this to many people. It's like, I was literally getting my head above water. There were a lot of things that I wanted to do last year that because of everything that happened, I was just exhausted. I'll give a prime example. Britt knows this. We had a boss lead who happens to be my mentor. I've known him since 2011. I didn't end up making it out for his going away party. Not because I didn't care about him. Not because I don't love him dearly. I was fucking exhausted. Absolutely exhausted from everything that had been happening. On top of the fact that I didn't even want my boss to leave. It hurt my soul to see Greg go. And part of my reason for not showing up is like, really, he's going really in the midst of everything that's happened this year. If you know my dynamic with Greg and you know how he stood up for me in other situations, you would understand why it's so hard for me to see somebody like that go, to not necessarily be appreciated, to not be withheld and everything else like that. And Brick can speak to him as an editor. Um, but as a person, Greg is one of the nicest people I've ever met. He'll push you and everything else in between. But those are some of the side effects. There are lots of things that I missed out on. Um, I missed my best friend's graduation shortly after what ha- after I was sexually harassed um, at the combine. I just laid in bed for two weeks stretch, didn't go to my best friend's graduation, did not go to my cousin's graduation. Those are things that if you know me as a person, I will never miss family things ever. Like this is a first cousin. Again, this is a best friend I've known since I was a little kid and I just didn't have the energy to go. Um, I appreciate my parents for not making me and understanding why I was the way I was, but you don't, it shows up, it comes in waves um, and it hits you in the face and it, it just drags you down and made like, there were stories I wanted to do. There were things I wanted to attack this season going beyond the sources thing. There are just lots of things that I did not feel I had the energy to get accomplished. Um, so by the time I, in, I reached the end of 2020, I was just dragging myself to the finish line to where we are now, where it's like, it still feels heavy. I mean, again, like reading the Jared Porter story was a lot. I wanted to know the information, but it's a lot to go through a story like that. Um, shoot, I wrote Nancy Armour's story or talking about LSU, that whole investigation. It's a lot to read those stories, to see what's happening, to see the negligence and everything else in between. Um, and even kind of going back to a little bit of what Britt was saying about the whole sources thing. Um, obviously, if you read the, what's the face said, the, um, the story I did about my harassment, I talked about this. It's like, Right after that harassment, there was somebody in Washington's front office I could have talked to about their free agent moves who would have known the answers that other people use as a source. I did not reach out to him solely because his boss was the one who harassed me, and I did not know if he would take that out on me. If like I know that they talked. I mean, you read the story the Washington Post did, and you see that those guys talked about women, like talked about their bodies and everything else like that, and I kind of figure, I mean, you kind of know in a situation like that where that's so pervasive, you know they talk, so you don't know how people feel. Um, as it turned out, He's a really nice guy and I should have just reached out to him. One of my friends said, if he subscribes to that behavior, you don't need him as a source, but I didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. And as it turned out, he was a really nice guy who doesn't believe in that stuff. Um, so I missed an opportunity to probably break some more news back then. And I regret that. I regret that seriously because I'm a competitive person. I know Britt and Jane, you guys are also very competitive people. Like we get into this because we want to be competitive because we want to be the first person to break the news, um, to tell these stories. And it's really frustrating. It's so frustrating seeing my male colleagues not have to worry about these things, not worry about you know, dressing nicely and somebody saying something to you, not worrying about somebody looking at you inappropriately or touching you inappropriately, or if you reach out to them, them thinking that there's something going on that there's not. It's so upsetting. It's so unnecessary. It's such an unnecessary hurdle to have to deal with just so I can simply do my job. And that's the most frustrating thing is I just want to do my job. I want to do it really well, but it's hard to do that when you have people that have bad intentions. You have to take the mental and emotional energy to figure out, is this a good person, a bad person, all this other stuff like that, that a lot of guys just don't have to deal with. 
Britt, uh, I, I would just sort of follow with you. It must be the same thing. It just, all the stuff must be, I mean, you guys are all successful, obviously, but within that success, it just must be exhausting to have to just navigate this. Yeah, I'm just tired too. And I'm sure Jane can can relate to this. Like I've been asked since I got into this business, like, oh, what's it like to be a female or how hard is it? Like, I'm exhausted. I just want to be a sports writer. I my Twitter handle is Britcheroli because my byline is Britcheroli because I thought it sounded more gender neutral when I got into this business. I just yeah, like I just want it to be about the work. Um, and I know women everywhere are tired of it as well. Like it seems like it's this never ending battle. And then, you know, you're like, am I complaining? You know, are are it, are we actually getting anything done here? And I, I don't know because it hasn't gotten any better since we, since I got into this business, Jane can, can maybe speak a little bit more to over a longer period of time, but to me it's quieter, but the advent of social media has given everyone this bravery and this bravado that, you know, didn't exist 10 years ago. Jane, uh, as we sort of, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up in the next, uh, five to 10 minutes. Um, what's that, what, what's going to happen heading forward? Like, is there, what are the solutions that, can can make this situation better, particularly for the next generation of women who are entering the sports media profession? That's the perennial question. That's the question I've been asking for the last 25 years. Um, and so I'm I'm always disappointed to see that the that things are being done in the same way. Part of the problem is that you have and this has been alluded to, is that nobody works for the same organization. So there's not an HR department you can go to and say, this agent is being inappropriate with me. You can tell them that and they can be like, that's too bad, but that's not going to make any difference for your relationship or your ability to get information from that agent. The team is a different entity. Sometimes you can have recourse with teams, but then again, you threaten your access to every single source within that team organization. Um, And I, I really do think it has to be dealt with it's a cultural thing because these teams are all sub, they're all insular, they're all bubble systems. And so a lot of times it's, it's no girls allowed, or you're allowed to be, you know, the women are allowed to have jobs in community service or in, you know, sometimes PR, but, um, but they aren't given real institutional power to check the men who are behaving inappropriately in the organization. And that hasn't been, as you see with Jared Porter, that hasn't been a priority in hiring or in trying to find out about people. Sandy Alderson said that he hadn't checked with any women out of all of the vetting he did. He didn't check with a single woman when he made the hire, Porter hire. Um, and and that's, that's the way it goes. I, I just don't think that a lot of the men who work for teams care about that sort of thing. And so there's this general institutional amnesia. I mean, I don't, I'm going to bring politics into it. Donald Trump talked about grabbing women by the pussy before he was elected. A lot of people didn't have a problem with that and voted for him anyway. I think culturally, there are many people who just don't care. And if we have to deal with this to do our job, who cares? Um, I think that this is, it, it requires an institutional solution, whether it's top down from different leagues. And it's one thing to have, you know, an attitude in the league office. I think the NFL does a pretty good job of creating opportunities for women in the front office. But at the team level, it's completely different. And each team has its own uh, culture. You know, um, covering the Giants is one thing. Covering the Jets is another thing. And covering every team in the league, I'm sure, you know, covering Jerry Jones is a nightmare (laughs) for a woman, I would imagine. I haven't personally done it. But, um, you know, you have to cover the party bus. You have to cover a lot of 
you know, harassment issues um, if you over the years with that team. So I think that's that's part of it. It's it's and I do think with the change in administration and with a woman as vice president, I know this this may be naive, but I certainly I think women in positions of power, um, I think it does. I think corporations often follow suit. I think you saw with with ESPN and the NFL that with Trump and the White House, there was a relaxation of some of those efforts to be inclusive. And now I think you might see that the winds change culturally again, and that that may be a benefit to women who cover sports. I don't know, but I hope, but again, you know, it's the change is incremental incremental and it's unsatisfying and it, it backslides twice as quickly. Um, when people aren't paying attention to it. I, I don't know what the solution is. I'm not terribly optimistic, um, but I do know more women in the business makes a difference. And I, you know, I love reading a lot of the young women who are coming up for our business. And I hope that the pressure of their integrity, their credibility, their smarts, their excellence will apply pressure to some of these uh, teams and these team cultures um, to be less gross. Uh, Rhiannon, uh, I want to give you and Britt a final word here. So, um, if, uh, if you wanted to offer, um, just to follow from what Jane was talking about in terms of what the future holds. I hope that, I mean, I'm glad Jane brought the politics into it. I think that people want to be so shy about it, but let's not act like having somebody in the highest office in the land talking about grabbing a woman by their pussy and still being elected to office and still minimizing women, still just degrading women and everything else between um it doesn't have an adverse effect on how people react let's not act like that's not the case and i don't i mean it just serves no benefit to act that way um i hope with the new administration i hope with the fact that there are more women coming out that people think twice about this that there are some legislation put in place there's some other rules to help women um because if not then what it, like i guess some of uh, some of it was the point you know, to Jane Ember's point, guys are just getting smarter about it. Some of smart is not relative here, but like they're finding new ways to harass women. And the whole idea is just don't do it. Just don't be gross. Like it's unnecessary. It's entirely unnecessary. We literally don't want to be female reporters. We just want to be reporters covering the team, doing our job, competing on equal footing with our male colleagues. And to Britt's point, there are certain places we'll never have access. I have a friend who happened to meet a head coach in the bathroom. Unfortunately, because of my gender, I'm never going to have that situation pop up. It just will not apply. Um, but when you ask me to go drink, treat me like you treat my male colleague. You're not hitting on him. Don't hit on me. You know, I mean, I'm not there for that. None of us are there for that. Um, we put, I mean, shoot, Britt, I, I want to imagine, I don't want to speak for you, but I want to imagine that part of the reason you put yourself out there is so that people know what it feels like. People don't do this moving forward. I know that's why I put myself out there. And yes, it, it does suck. And it is hard that now moving forward when some people meet me people look me up and things of nature that will be one of the first things people see about me as I said in my post if me putting myself out there dealing with this saves somebody else from feeling the way I felt going through this situation and the aftermath of it then it's worth it to me I'll suck it up and I'll deal with people coming up to me and saying oh you're the girl who was or the woman you were the woman who was in that harassment thing um yes I was there's more to me than that but yeah I was um if it means somebody else does not have to deal with it, then it is what it is. And that's really what I wanted. 
because there are a lot of women who don't have the support that Britt and I have. We are very fortunate to be at The Athletic to get the level of support that we get. I, w- I said this multiple times. I would not have been able to write that story. I would have thought to write that first person had it not been for our head of PR, Taylor Patterson, or my boss, Lisa Wilson, or David Aldridge, or Greg Lee, um, encouraging me to do so. There was never a flailing on their part about whether I should go forward to do it. If the team had some issue, then we as a company were going to have an issue. In addition to the fact that in the NFL Slack, all 152 of my colleagues were ready to go to war for me. And I said that in the story as well, too. Now, I don't want them to have to have my back like that every time something bad happens to me. But I appreciate the fact that each and every last one of them was willing to defend me on my behalf after everything that happened and seeing some of the stuff that I was dealing with on social media. Um, We need that as well, too. And quite frankly, we need men to step up. We need men to step up because it makes a difference when a guy comes up and says to another guy, hey, what you're doing is shitty. You're making her feel uncomfortable. Cut that shit out. It makes a world of difference. It's the main reason I go out when I like just go out on my own with my friends. It's the main reason I go out with my guy friends, because for whatever reason, when I go out with my girlfriends, we'll deal with harassment till the sun comes up. When I go with my guy friends, guys don't even think to do those same things. It's literally the same reason that when I was at the combine in 2019 versus 2020, I hung out with more guy friends because I didn't have the same experience that I had in 2019. Nobody was willing to mess with me. And part of the reason I think they may have believed me in the first situation is because I had so many male colleagues see what ha- saw what happened. So I need those good guys, like the guys who had my back. I need guys who know what they're saying to be wrong to step up because people listen to them. And quite frankly, it's a problem that men as overall have created. So I need them to be the ones to find the solution here because we're not the ones asking for this uh, treatment. Britt, uh, I want to give you the final word. Yeah, I think, I mean, Bree just hit all the points, really. I mean, to me, Jane said it all, be less gross. And the whole onus now is not just on the guys being gross. It's on our male colleagues. People have reached out and said to me, why didn't you say something at the time? Why didn't you tell me I was on the beat with you? And I think it, it, the only way this starts to get better is if everyone is pulling on that rope is if a guy see a guy calls out the reporter who accused me of flirting with a player or a guy sees a player gyrating or making inappropriate comments to me and says, Hey, knock it off. Um, I've had players go to bat for me in front of other guys. I've had players say, Hey, Brittany's not like that. And let me tell you, it means the world. That's to me, the only way we start changing this is if guys and, and females as well, as if all of us say, you know what, that pretty young woman in the corner who's over there talking to the player is doing her job. She's not flirting with him. She didn't get that interview because of what she looks like. She is doing her job. And I think once we change our lens and once we learn to kind of support that, um, it could go a long way in really helping all of this. Britt, Rhiannon, Jane, um, thank you for coming on today. And, um, and thank you so much for your honesty. Uh, please check these uh, the work of these three women out on The Athletic for Britt and Rhiannon and on uh, Deadspin for Jane. Thanks so much uh, for coming on the Sports Media Podcast today. All right, back in the studio. Um, my thanks to uh, Jane and Britt and Rhiannon for coming on and talking about this stuff. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can't... Uh, I can't appreciate their honesty enough. Obviously, I wish that they did not have to go through these experiences, but it's very important to uh, for them to have public forums to talk about it. And you know, they got a lot of bravery and courage. Quite frankly, far more than I think a lot of the males in the business, um, including myself. Um, if you like these kind of conversations, uh, 
check out the archive page. Prior to this podcast, I had uh, Noah Eagle on calling the Nickelodeon NFL game. And Ryan S. Clark, who covers the NHL and the Seattle Kraken for The Athletic, on um, what covering hockey is like this year, as well as, um, as well as where hockey stands in terms of people of color covering that sport and how far they have to go. Before that, James Andrew Miller on ESPN's Future. Prior to that, Renee Paquette, used to be Renee Young, of course, in the WWE, and Shalice Manza Young. And then uh, just head down the list of uh, archives. Trey Wynn, a long conversation with Trey Wingo right after he left ESPN. Ryan Rucco, Muffet McGraw, Chris Fowler, Malika Andrews. Um, again, if there's people you're interested in in the business, most likely, I should say most likely, but many of them have been on the podcast. And so, um, you know, for some long-form conversations, which hopefully you'll you'll enjoy. Um, my thanks to Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry for producing this podcast. My thanks to everybody at Cadence 13 from uh, Chris Corcoran to Spencer Brown to John McDermott. And of course, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support. Head to uh, iTunes or Stitcher, leave us a five-star review and a comment. That's how the podcast continues. All right, for everybody who works on this podcast, thank you. And we'll see you again soon on the Sports Media Podcast.